And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent. We, 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 je m'appelle Jonathan. And you stay for the principles. Today's show, I'm going to ask you to bear with me. It's going to require a bit of patience on your behalf right at the start and then as we go through the show. I want to start today's show by sharing a couple of analogies with you. And they're silly analogies, full disclosure. But the reason I'm sharing with them is because to make a bigger point. And as we go through this show, I'm going to share some numbers with you that you need to know. Because they affect your life. They affect every aspect of your life. And then I'm going to tie all those numbers together and make a broader political point. So I ask for your patience. If I was a lawyer, I'd ask, Your Honor, I'm asking for a bit of latitude. So what are the the silly little analogies? Well, there are two. First, imagine right before this show, as you listened, as you put on this show, there was an ad, and it was several minutes long. And it was by a person, man, woman, or binary, or fluid, or, or whatever term you want to use today. And they were making a presentation to you of how if you would just listen to them, they would make your life successful. If you go on YouTube, you see no end of these types of ads. Stop. Don't, don't press script. I can make you rich. You know all those ads. You don't know this person. You don't know their name. You don't know their status. You don't know their background. But they are promising, even though you don't know them, and they don't know you, that they can make you rich. Or they can make your life better. You see this with psychics as well, just to really compound the analogy. You know, people that they don't know you or you don't know them, but they can tell your future. They can read your cards. They can look up to the skies and tell what's in your future. They can look at your palm and look at all the lines and go, oh, this is good and this is bad. You have a long life. You have a short life. You're going to die in a tragic accident. Do you trust these people? Imagine me. And I dare I say it, I look at every one of you who listen and engage in me as friends. We're all part of the one freedom-loving family. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but we're family. I would never do this, but imagine I got behind this microphone for a show and said, Hey, listen, guys, I need you to just live your life this way. Even if it was based in some of the principles that we share. Hey, guys, I need you to to cut up every credit card you have and never, ever use it again. But it's for your own good. That's pretty good financial advice, depending on where you come from. But imagine I did that. Would you listen to me? Now, you might listen to me and say, well, I'll take credence. I'll, I'll listen to John and I'll give it some consideration. But imagine I actually got behind this microphone and said, no, I'm not asking you. I'm not advising you. I am telling you to cut up your credit cards. What would your reaction be? What would your reaction be? Even to someone like me that you presumably like, you welcome me into your life once a week. Would you do it? That's the first analogy. The second analogy I'm going to use myself is the gimme pig. Me, 
Jonathan. Recently married. Imagine me and Tanya. Married now nearly three months and married life is... I'm just going to say this. I'm learning a lot. I love Tanya. She loves me. But it's a learning experience, especially for someone like me with so limited experience. But, you know, you've got to, when you live together, you've got certain things that you need to do. You know, you got to do laundry. You got to do dishes. In our house, one of the jobs we got to do is we got to clean out cat litter boxes. Oh, boy, is that fun. Oh, I loved cleaning that up so much. Just on a side note, I don't know if you all have cats, but my God, I don't know if it's just our cats, but our cats poop a lot. Like, a lot. I clean them every, like, two days, and, like, in two days, how much can you be kind of cat poop? Spot answer, a lot. And then when you put two of them together, it's, like, double a lot. But we have these jobs. But let's say for hypothetical sake. Let's say Tanya was like, I really, you know, I'm busy. I've got all this stuff. I do this stuff around the house. I really would love it if you would clean the litter boxes. And I'm like, sure, honey. I love you. I'll clean the litter boxes. I'll clean them later on this evening when I finish up, you know, recording this show and doing my, my other work. And she's like, okay, honey, no problem. And then she comes home this evening and the litter boxes are still not, still not clean. And she's like, okay, well, maybe he's busy. Late tonight, we go to bed, and their box is still not clean. She's like, okay, well, maybe he's just tired or stressed or he forgot. You know, he can do it tomorrow. Anyway, long story short, tomorrow comes, still not done. Then it's another day, still not done. And she's like, honey, remember I asked you a couple of days ago to to clean the litter boxes? I'm like, oh, I totally forgot. I'll do it today. Today comes, and I don't do it. And tomorrow comes, still don't do it. And she's like, honey, literally, the cats are now pooping on the floor. The smell is, oh my God, dirty. Do you remember I asked you like twice now to clean the litter boxes? Would you please do it? I'm like, sure, of course. No problem. I'll do it today. I promise. I pinky promise where I'll do it today. And today comes and today goes and I don't do it. And then she asked me again. In fact, you know, because my wife, my wife is amazing, but you know, she also has a way with words. She wouldn't be asking a third time. She'd probably dump the litter boxes on my head, but let's play along. She asked at her time, will you do it? Sure, of course I will. I'll do it today. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Anyway, she has to keep asking me. And I still never do it. At what point is the trust broken? That's only like doing litter boxes. Think of something more serious. Hey, I got to pay the car payment. Will you pay? I'll pay it today. And then you don't do it. And then don't do it tomorrow. And you don't do it the next day. And all of a sudden, then another demand letter comes in. You're like, I thought, I thought you were paying the car. I'm sorry, I, I meant to do it. I'll do it now. And then it keeps going and going and you never do it. And then the car is repossessed. Imagine the pain and frustration this would cause. Why did I start with these two analogies? Because they sum up perfectly the role of your government. And the world government right now. You see, if you believe and you listen to this show, you know I delve deep into American history. You you know, I, or I hope you know, how much I love your constitution. And I explain and I try my best. Maybe sometimes I fail and sometimes I succeed. But I try to explain why America is a factual nation. I don't want to use the idea of America being a constitutional republic as the basis for government. Today, I actually want to do what everyone else wants America to do. I'm going to use other countries as the example. You see, let us use a term and a system of government that is very popular around the world that even Americans love. Democracy. What is democracy at its core? Well, if I was to use an American phrase, I'd probably say it's something like of, by, and for the people. Democracy is you elect leaders via a vote. And they will go to the state capital or the capital of the country and fulfill whatever body they have ran for. 
and fulfill their job to represent you, the people. And then they will enforce the will of the people. They will pass laws and rules and regulations. But democracy at its core in textbook terms, you're expected to read out the score every once in a while. It's not like the modern liberal idea or the leftist idea where we'll play a game of soccer, but we won't keep count. It's all zero, zero. There are no winners and losers. Even government doesn't say that. Government is supposed to be held accountable. That when they enforce their will on you, that, you know, you have recourse. If they go too far, you have an election. And then the party that was in power gets removed by someone else saying, hey, this, there was this situation, whether you want, let's use coronavirus. There was this coronavirus. They overstood, stood, they overstepped. They overstepped their authority. We need to deal with coronavirus, but I have this plan. This is how we do it. And then you send it to the people. And the people can either vote for the status quo or they can vote for change. But government is held accountable. Look around today. Ask yourself, what government is held accountable? I'm going to share some numbers with you today that are going to truly maybe frighten you. If they do, I would say this to you. They are troubling. They're not good. But we can change things. I hate to sound like a broken record, but if you actually understand the idea of America, you solve all of these problems. But I'm going to share some numbers with you today. When it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to vaccines, and when it comes to finances. You see, there's a term which we'll discuss later on at the end of the show. You're seeing this in Canada play out perfectly right now. All you extremists, you freedom-loving people, just sit down and shut up. You're an extremist. No, we just like liberty. We just like being left alone. And you governments have gotten out of your bounds. You have overstepped. And this is us exercising our right to tell you you have overstepped. You see this? play out in America, in Canada, in Ireland, in England, if you dare have any skepticism about the vaccine, oh, you're one of those people. I was told about a presentation this week on vaccine hesitancy they were doing in their, this, a friend of mine messaged me about the, there was a program or not a program, a training course in their work. And it was done by this professor. He, he was a head professor. You know, so smart and just so much more intellectual compared to you average person. And he was trying to address vaccine hesitancy, why people won't take us. Now, you can imagine every leftist idea that you would think was in this vaccine hesitancy training program. It was there. They even called those the Republicans. They even got political. But you know the one issue that is never, ever discussed? That governments... Yes, that mighty fine institution, government. Whether you believe in our democracy or whether you actually understand the idea of America, that there is accountability held. That if there's any hesitancy, maybe, just maybe, it's because government is that bad husband that didn't take out the litter boxes. Is that bad husband that didn't make the car payment. But also government is that person, is that stranger on YouTube or before this podcast that you don't know, knows nothing about you, but thinks they somehow have a right to tell you how to live. That they know better than you. When we come back, we'll share some of those numbers. So the first report I want to talk to you about that is getting no mainstream coverage, but thankfully, some of my colleagues at The Blaze have already discussed this. 
Do you remember the financial crash of 2007 and 2008? Were you alive back then? Were you politically active back then? For some of you younger people, you were like, oh my God, that's so long ago. It's hard to believe that is nearly 15 years ago. There are people who are finishing high school in the next year or two that weren't even born when that crash happened. Do you remember the fear? Do you remember the panic? Do you remember the uncertainty? What is the number that is synonymous with the bailout in America? In case you don't know, let me tell you. It was one of my major pivot points. That number was $787 billion. $787 billion. It was the largest spending package ever, ever even discussed, I believe, in the world. It was incredible. People like me who believe in economic freedom and economic sanity and just basic economic common sense were like, this is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because you're bailing out big companies. You're bailing out big business. There was a term back then, I'm not sure if you remember, too big to fail. We had all these terms. And just from an economic point of view, adding $787 billion to your deficit in one spell swoop is not smart economics. People like me said that back then. But yet I look around in the world of 2022 and I would give my right hand just for a spending package of $787 billion. Oh, how the times have changed. Did you vote for that $787 billion? Did you give your thumbs up and say, yep, let's do it? Did the government read in a scorecard to you? Well, we added this to the deficit in your name, and this is what we achieved. Never happen? You see, the truth is, this report that I'm about to read to you has now been released and it's too late to do anything about it because the figure of the bailout of 2007 and 2008 wasn't 787 billion. A recent report came out by Bloomberg, yes that Bloomberg, and said actually the total cost of the financial crisis of 2007-2008 wasn't 787 billion, it was about 10 times that amount. It was 7.77 trillion dollars. That's a 10 times increase. That's quite a big difference between figures, right? The Fed refused to give out these figures. That's a big increase. Did you get to vote on that? Did government come to you as representatives of you and say, well, we actually had to spend this amount and here's what we did and here's why we did it. Now vote on it. You can either stay with us or you can go with the opposition. Did they do that to you? You see, it would be one thing if the government actually held itself to the same standard it expects to hold its citizens to. We see therein lies the problem. They don't see you as citizens. They see you as subjects. They don't believe in being held accountable. They don't believe in transparency. Because I hate to break it to you. The Bloomberg report of 7.77 trillion been the total cost. I would take that and most Americans would take that. But it was nowhere close to that figure. Now, I am called by my wife, Mary frickin' Poppins, because I am so optimistic. I don't think there's anyone who's listening to this show who's going, Oh, well, so the 7.77 trillion, maybe they spent less than that. I don't think there's anyone listening who thinks that. If you do, please message me. I got to talk to you, because I would love some of your optimism right now. No, 
The Bloomberg report of $7.77 trillion is the biggest load of bullcrap. Your government sent, spent considerably more. According to the Levi Institute, the total cost of the bank bailouts and the Wall Street crash of 2007 and 2008 wasn't $787 billion, wasn't even $7 trillion, which Bloomberg said, wasn't 10, it wasn't 20, it was over $29 trillion. $29 trillion. I'm going to read some numbers to you, just to put this into context. In 2007, the US GDP, for those that are maybe not too up on economics, let me explain to you what your GDP is. If you took every cent of every dollar earned and taxed it at 100% from everyone from the poorest to the richest, every dollar and every cent that's created in 2007 the gdp was 14.45 trillion dollars so effectively your bank bailout of one year and the economic collapse you doubled doubled your gdp does that make any economic sense to anyone Here's the problem, to make it even bigger. It would be one thing for the US government to have this economic crisis and for you to try and save the American economy. Is that what the American government did with the Federal Reserve? No. I'm going to read out some names to you. I'm going to read out some numbers to you of how much money you spent and how much money the Federal Reserve is in bed for. All because of the 2007 economic crash. Citigroup, $2.65 trillion. Merrill Lynch, $2.42 trillion. Morgan Stanley, $2.27 trillion. AIG, $1.04 trillion. Here's where it gets interesting. Well, these are all American companies, John. Of course, the government had to do. I'm not happy with they did so much, but they had to do something. They're too big to fail. Okay. Number five on the list. Barclays, $1.0 trillion. Barclays is a UK bank. Bank of America, $1.01 trillion. BNP Paribas, $1 trillion. They're French. Goldman Sachs, $995 billion. Bear Stearns, $975 billion. Credit Suisse, Switzerland, $772 billion. Deutsche Bank, Germany, $711 billion. RBS, the Royal Bank of Scotland, the UK bank, $628 billion. JP Morgan Chase, $456 billion. And UBS, which is Switzerland, $425 billion. There are so many points to make about this, but let me start with just a simple mathematic one. You were told the bailout was $787 billion. That was the package that you passed in Congress. Yet the total package was $29 trillion. There are nine banks on that list. Citigroup, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, AIG, Barclays, Bank of America, BNP Paribas, Goldman Sachs, and Bern Stearns, who took more taxpayer dollars through the Fed and through your government than the whole package combined would you trust this government Are these actions of someone who believes in accountability are these the actions of someone who says you know what we deserve to be over to be skeptical of your government and that we need oversight 
You see, here's the thing. The second point is this. And I say this as an outsider, still technically, legally, as an Irishman. I love America. But guys, you got to get smart. You know what annoys me? And I'm going to be perfectly blunt. Do you know what pisses me off about the rest of the world? Now, I don't have this as much anymore because I live in Oklahoma. But when I was living in Ireland, I would deal with Irish people and English people, and they would badmouth America on a near daily basis. And what used to piss me off the most was not only do they badmouth you with the usual liberal talking points that they get from the AP, which are all usually the biggest bunch of lies, but what used to annoy me the most was that you would badmouth America so much but then, on the other hand, any time America was giving out money, you couldn't take enough of it. You couldn't wait to get those almighty dollars. The third thing. Is accountability. The numbers that I've given you, there's nothing you or anyone else can do about them. The only way you can do something about it is, is if Back to the Future becomes an actual real life thing. Now that we could get back into that DeLorean, go 88 miles per hour and go back to 2007 and warn people. But even then, would that work? If we had all the evidence and we gave it to every congressperson, every media person, do you think the outcome would be different? I'm not going to answer that question. That's a question for you guys to decide. But the Fed has been refusing to give these figures out for the longest period of time. And I've said the last couple of weeks, and some people are very uncomfortable with what I say sometimes. When I say, we need socialists and communists to realize just who they are supposed to be. Because do you know who's been one of the leaders in Congress demanding these figures? It isn't a Republican, it isn't Ted Cruz, it isn't Mike Lee, it's Bernie Sanders. You see, I disagree with Bernie Sanders on pretty much every principle you can imagine. I don't think me and Bernie have anything in common. I think me and Bernie are so polar opposites that we would literally look at the sky and I would say, oh, that's a lovely blue sky with a lovely big sun. And he'd say, that's not blue, that's maroon or that's... That's mauve or some other color. And the sun, it isn't full. It isn't beautiful. It's just another average day, it's, but it's cloudy. I literally think that's how the conversation with me and Bernie would go. But the reason, yet again, I say it's time we need to get communists and socialists to be socialist again is because too big to fail. If you understand their philosophy... And I'm not saying their philosophy makes sense or it is even consistent. But if you understand the philosophy of what they pretend or hope to be, what their utopia looks like, taxpayer money should go to the little guy, should help cure poverty, should help cure diseases. Let's go through those companies again and ask yourself, when was the last time these companies were a little guy? Little Joe Bloggs. Were you getting bailouts back in 2007 or 2008? Citigroup. Oh, millionaires and billionaires, those are. Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, AIG. Loads of little guys right there. They're just like mom and pop stores, right? Barclays, Bank of America, BMP Paribus, Goldman Sachs, Burr Stearns, Credit Suisse. Oh, these are all mom and pop stores. I, I can see them setting up on the little corner stall and just start, they're just, you know, just... Trying to get the American dream, you know, if they work hard enough and they get that opportunity, they might just make it. Mm-hmm. They cause the financial crisis, and what happens? They get bailed out. And were you asked about it? Nope. Did you know about it? Large portion of people didn't. With a record like this, is there any reason why you would trust government?
Now let's take a swift change of course and go to the vaccines. The vaccines is the big issue of the day. It's been an issue for the last year. Do you take the vaccine? Do you not take the vaccine? Do you take one vaccine, two vaccines, three vaccines, four vaccines? Should the government mandate you to take it? You see, the problem with the world we live in today is we have a bunch of power-hungry people and a media that is willing to go along with the power-hungry people and outright lie to defend them. But we also have a large portion of people who are willing and wanting and supporting those bad people to tell them how to live. It would be one thing. I'm a freedom guy. Take the vaccine. Don't take the vaccine. I don't really care. You do you, I'll do me. Take ivermectin. Don't take ivermectin. You do you, I'll do me. It's really a wonderful philosophy. I wish more people would embrace it on all sides of the aisle. But let's say you're one of those people who believes in, well, we must have some rules. I always love when I talk about freedom. People always go, well, so what do you want? Anarchy? I'm like, I'm a constitutionalist. That's the furthest thing from anarchy. I'm not a communist. I'm not a tyrant. But I believe in natural order. I believe in basic first principles. But I'll always say, well, what do you want? Anarchy? Do you want just a wild, wild west? You know, we need rules to govern us as a society. And it always starts with, well, we need a few rules. It's amazing how we need a few rules to, we need a lot of rules. But let's say you're one of those people. Again, should there be accountability? Or should it just be a blind trust? One of the things that annoys me about politics, and the reason I stay away from it, even though people always say, well, you're so political, John. I'm really not. I have my opinions, but I, I don't get involved in the politics per se. Is because I'm so sick and tired of the double standards. When it's someone you like, you're silent. And the vast majority of people are silent. Can you imagine, just to our friends on the left, the way they're acting right now? We need all these lockdowns. I saw some college in, I think it was Reno, Nevada. Bring back the mask mandates. Can you imagine if Trump was president? Do you think they would be saying the same thing? Do you think the right would be saying the same things today? It's amazing. Truth is truth. It should be said no matter who has power or who has elected office. Yet so many times, so many arguments change based on who holds the office. But let's say you're one of those people who believe in rules. And one of those rules is for the betterment of society, we need a vaccine. Okay. And we need a vaccine mandate. Okay, I disagree, but let's just play along, shall we? Do you think it's okay to give a company, oh, I don't know, let's just name one off the top of the line. Oh, oh, Pfizer. Just, I don't know why I thought of Pfizer. Do you think it's okay to give a private institution, just basically they can do what they want. They're not held accountable. They can't be sued. There's no oversight. Do you think that's a good idea? Because what they wanted to do was there was a court case a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not going to talk too much about the court case. I want to talk to you about numbers. There was a court case a couple of weeks ago. And what they wanted to do was release about 500 pages of data a month. There is so much data on this vaccine that it would be the year 2097 before we would have everything. Is that the type of agency you want to be part of? Is this the type of company we should trust? Oh, how I long for the days of Bernie Sanders and his cronies saying, Oh, the millionaires and billionaires. Big Pharma is a problem. Oh, how I miss those days. Well, the court in this case ruled. The U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman said, No, you're going to issue 55,000 pages a month. So we should have everything by the end of summer. 
But now they've started to release them, there's some numbers that have come out. Bet you these numbers are never discussed in mainstream media. It's too easier, it's too hard to do a bit of research, to actually break down the numbers. It's much easier just to dismiss them and mock people who have a different opinion to you. In two and a half months, when this vaccine first came out, according to Pfizer's own numbers, this isn't fake news, this isn't some, you know, right-wing extremist hack website like, I don't know, the Blaze or the Daily Wire saying this. This is Pfizer's own information. They found... 29,914 cases in females, 9,182 cases in men, and 2,990 cases with no data, no gender, of issues with the vaccine. First off, do you notice those numbers are rather disproportionate? Do you remember the lot good old days? And I know I'm, been, I'm, I'm a bit sentimental today. I'm, I'm missing the old arguments of the past. But you remember when we used to have hashtag war on women? Well, there's 29,914 cases with women and only 9,182. That's a prime example of the war on women. This is Pfizer's own numbers. There was issues with the vaccine, people who had experienced a problem. Of all those cases, let me explain to you the breakdown of it. 19,582 are recovered or recovering. Thank God. Thank God the vast majority of those cases have recovered. 11,361 of those cases, at the time of this report, there is no update. They're not better. They're not recovered. But who knows what they'll end up like. They could recover or could turn into something more serious. But here's the number you need to know. 1,223. What does that represent? That means the number of people who got the vaccine and who died from the vaccine. They don't even put deceased on this report or died or anything. They put fatal. 1,223. How about we address those numbers? How about we discuss them? You see, there's an awful arrogance of the in people who have power. Imagine having the balls to say to people they must take a vaccine knowing knowing that 1,223 in two and a half months in America died because of the vaccine. Imagine having that blood on your conscience. But the thing is, these people in power don't care. They do it any way. Is there a reason to be hesitancy of the vaccine? Yes. Why? Pfizer's own numbers. I know it's only a small number. Well, look at how many millions of vaccines were given out and only 1,223 people died. You know, you know this old saying, well, John, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelette. Mm-hmm, that's true. Except, here's the thing. I don't want to be forced to be an egg. Well, John, you're big and you're overweight. You kind of look like an egg. So why not be one? Mm-hmm. I want choice over my life. If you want to get the vaccine and you're willing, you're looking at those numbers kind of going, you know what? It's worth the risk to d- maybe die from the vaccine, to get the vaccine's protection. That's your choice. That's a conversation between you, your family, and your doctor. Likewise, if you're like, that's not worth the risk. I've got natural immunity. I've already had COVID. I had the worst version of COVID. This one is a more mild one. I am not getting the vaccine again. That's a conversation between you and your family, and your doctor. You decide what's best for you. But those who will look down on people who will say, well, why would you ever not get the vaccine? Why don't you trust government? I bring you back to the analogy I started with the show. You don't know these people. Even if you have every politician that you quote-unquote like in D.C. and your side has power, you don't know them you know what they want you to know and they don't know you and a lot of times even the politicians that you quote unquote like don't care about you 
They care about getting re-elected. They care about getting more power. They care about more money. They don't care about you. I bring you back to the analogies at the start. In what world would we listen to that person who knows nothing about us, doesn't care about us, but we're willing to tell us how to live, that if we only follow them, they will be successful. If we only followed their advice, we would be happier, richer, smarter, healthier, whatever it is, fill in the blank, whatever open promise that they're giving you. Why would we ever do it? Why would we ever follow them? But see, government doesn't make promises to you that, hey, if you follow me, you will have all these things. Government does not operate that way. Government has a monopoly of force. If it decides something is needed, it will be done. And you will either comply or we will fine you or we will arrest you or we will start making your life hell. Where's the accountability? Where is the accountability? Look at what's happening in Canada right now with the Freedom Caucus, the Freedom Envoy, all the truckers. They have a God-given right. I know it's a different country, but it's a basic first principle. You have a right to petition your governments and to seek redress, if I may quote your wonderful constitution. You have a First Amendment right to do that. Look at how they've been treated. Look at how they have been destroyed. Look at the rhetoric against them, what they've been labeled as. Is this a government that wants to be held accountable? Is this a government that welcomes oversight? Is this a government that welcomes feedback? Is this a government that welcomes opportunities to improve? Or is this a government out of control and literally trying to destroy every aspect of your life? There are countless other stories I could share with you, but these are the two biggest ones that affect you. In case you're thinking, well, the economic one doesn't affect me that much. What do I care how much we bailed out people? We're never going to pay our debt back anyway, so who does it matter who it goes to? The reason it affects your life is because, you know, the inflation that you're experiencing right now? This issue is not because just of the coronavirus. I see some people making it out. Well, this is what happens when you close the economy down. Yes, but that's a very simplified version of inflation. That's a very simple cause. Issues with inflation just didn't happen because of coronavirus. There were inflation and economic concerns prior to COVID. I raised some of them on this show and I got laughed at by some of you. Because Donald Trump was president and he was a businessman and he knew what he was doing. Well, you look at what Congress was doing and you look at what that was happening under his watch. Yes, he made a lot of positive steps. But he also wasn't the economic powerhouse everyone liked to make him out to be. Look how much money you spent under his administration. It affects you. The reason you're paying more at the pump is because the dollar is worth less. Why is the dollar worth less? Because your government for the longest period of time has been printing money into existence. Not because it created something, not because of innovation or creativity, but because a printing press said, print more money, please. The Pfizer vaccine speaks for itself. But here's where I want to give you some hope. Next week's show, barring any craziness that happens in the world because things can change in a dime, I'm going to talk to you about the the Freedom Index report that was released. And where America, I think, is like something like 23rd. And explain to you why these reports are the biggest joke and biggest load of codswallop you will ever see in your life. And it's time to stop paying any attention to them. But also to highlight why your country has some solutions. That's next week's show. But I wanted to finish up in the last few minutes of today talking to you about hope. Because it's very easy to be down right now. 
It's very easy to look at these numbers of Pfizer, of the economy that I just shared, and say, well, John, what hope have we got? How do I say this? I've said this probably a million times. Your constitution. Understanding the idea of America. Understanding your story. How does that solve all these problems? The banking numbers. If you have a constitutional government, you don't bail out the banks. You don't bail them out. You don't bail out all these big businesses. You understand the basic principle of, well, you're on your own. America is supposed to be a free market. That means, yes, you can succeed, but it also means if you make some mistakes, you fail. And that's on you, not the taxpayers. But also, secondly, a lot of the problems that I said, and I tried to keep that report, there's so much information in that report. I tried to keep it as simple as possible. But one of the biggest players in that report is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve. That's not a constitutional body. Follow the Constitution, there is no Federal Reserve. And even if there's some type of modified Federal Reserve, because we make some type of compromise, they do not have that much power. And there's oversight. You're not waiting 10 years to get this data out. They don't have the power to print that much money. They don't have the power to loan that much money to banks in America, in Ireland, in England, in Europe, or anywhere. Follow the Constitution. You solve that problem. Pfizer mandates, or Pfizer vaccine mandates, and Pfizer numbers. Again, simple. The federal government does not have a power to mandate you to take a vaccine. It's so sad that the following is considered controversial in 2022. That you do you and I'll do me. And when it comes to medicine, the only people that are involved are you, your family, and your doctor. And even if you decide to take some crazy type of potion, that's on you. Let me give you a little story just to highlight this. Many years ago, my father was diagnosed with cancer and he he ultimately passed away six months later because of it. But there was a member of our family who had a friend who was into, you know, alternative medicine. And my father kind of knew he was on the way out. He had all the operations, he had the, the chemo and stuff, and it just wasn't going the way they wanted it to go. And this person had promised the sun, moon, and stars, I can heal your father. And it was recce, recce therapy. And my father eventually acquiesced and said, okay, let them, let them try it. What, what harm can it do? Now, anybody with a probably a medical degree is probably going, oh, dear God, why would you let that person near them? They're never going to they're going to give them a false set of hope or it's never going to end well. It's not going to cure him. You know, cancer is cancer. We know the science. Fair enough. But what harm did it do? If you're one of those people that goes, that's the biggest waste of time and don't let them near the patient and that's who you are. Fine. But if you want to try it, who has the right to deny it? That's a conversation between him and his family. And it was mostly him. He said, I'm going to try it. We're like, cool, go for it. You may look down on it. You may laugh at it. You may scoff at it. You may think it's the biggest waste of time. That he would have been better in bed resting than going through that. Okay. But it was his choice. Here's an amazing thought. When it comes to medicine, your opinion on someone else's medicine doesn't matter. It's a conversation for them, their family, and their doctor. The government has no role. Where does this link back to the idea of America? The Constitution. Well, how does medicine link to the Constitution? Go read the Constitution and understand where is the role of medicine in the Constitution? Where the government can get involved between you and your doctor? I'll wait because it's not there. But on a bigger scale, we need to stop looking to institutions to be our savior. We need to start admitting the problems 
And when you understand the solution is the idea of America and the Constitution, you need to admit something finally, and as painful as it is, that you have no friends in D.C. I'm going to prove this to you. Last week, I shared the story about the nurses and the vaccine mandates. I see so many people when it comes to issues. They go, well, you know, we're going to solve this issue. I'm like, okay, how are you going to solve it? And they'll, sometimes they'll give a long answer. Sometimes it's a short answer. But so many times it will start with the following. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to file this case. And eventually we're going to get to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court will overturn it. Why have you got confidence in the Supreme Court? This idea that the Supreme Court, it's Article 3 for a reason. But this notion that the Supreme Court is somehow the great moral arbiter of society needs to stop. But it also needs to stop because how many times do you see the Supreme Court rule the wrong way? For all the people who put the faith in the Supreme Court, well, we'll get to the Supreme Court and we'll get our day in court. How many times are you confident you'll win? Especially on clear-cut cases like a vaccine mandate. Or how many times does it feel like the whole country is sitting on their hands, hoping and praying they do what they're supposed to do? But also understand this. Last week I shared about the nurses. Everyone focused on the, the vaccine mandate been overturned for the employers. Very few people spoke about the nurses. Two justices changed and voted against how they voted for the employers. Who were those two justices? They weren't left-wing justices. They were Chief Justice John Roberts, not appointed by Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, but appointed by George W. Bush, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh, again, not nominated by Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, or anyone else, but nominated by the man himself, Donald Trump. It's time to admit the problem. When it comes to your life, government is far too involved and has no oversight, has no consistency. And whether it's Republicans or Democrats, are not your friend. It's sad to say this in 2022 because it's considered controversial. But here's the idea. You, yes you, know what's best for your life not someone else. We need to start working harder, smarter, faster, more intellectual, and start sharing the narrative of America, start sharing the idea of America, explaining why you changed the world and why you need to do it once again. I say this now because I live here, but where else... If we screw things up here, where else is there to run to? Look at Canada. Look at what's going on. If you need some lightning rod or some kick up the butt, just take five minutes out and research some other countries. Look at what's happening in the Freedom Caucus and the Freedom Envoy in Canada. Look at how they've been treated. Look at how they've been spoken about. They passed a rule, an emergency rule they haven't used in years up there to hold all their funds. Imagine Trump doing that to Black Lives Matter. Imagine anyone doing that to Black Lives Matter. Double standards. Look at what's going on in New Zealand. All the lockdowns. Look at what they're doing in Australia. Look at what they're doing in Europe. All the lockdowns. All the tyrannical government. And no oversight. No oversight. This should be the biggest kick up the butt if you need one to get involved in America. Because there is only one America. There is only one nation that changed the idea of man. There's only one nation that fought a revolution not against a fellow man, but in the hearts and minds of its people to re-revolutionize man's relationship with man and man's relationship with government. There's only one country that said there is a limit on government there is only one country that said that not governments not kings not queens but god gives you your rights 
and it is government's job to protect those rights. There's only one. If we lose that one, where else is there to run to? It's important to look overseas, but it's also important to start understanding we need to look at home. We need to start reclaiming America's narrative and we need to start fighting. And when I say fighting, I don't mean go punch someone or kick someone or beat someone up. When I say fight, I mean get involved. Get involved in local elections. Get involved ever how you can. Get involved in your church. Get involved ever how you see fit to make the world a better place. Because government is never the answer. Government is always the problem. And I'm going to highlight just one last story for you. And this is a personal story for you. So I live in Oklahoma now. And I love it. I always thought I'd live in Texas, but Oklahoma is not a bad place to live. I'm embracing it. I'm an Okie right now. But Oklahoma, as good as a state it is, has some issues. What are those issues? One, it has a lot, and I mean a lot, of casinos. Gambling is a problem here. And especially as the economic pain starts hurting, what do you think people are going to do when they have the option to gamble? They're going to go to the casino hoping to strike it rich. And if you know anything about gambling, especially in casinos, is the house always wins. So their economic pain is going to get worse. As many casinos as we have, it pales in comparison to the amount of pot shops we have. Oklahoma has the second most amount of pot stops per person in America. I think we're second behind Oregon. Put that into context. What is the answer to that? You see, it'd be easy to look at that and kind of go, well, I have some valid concerns about gambling and the economic pain that's coming. I have some valid concerns about pot and that people can have as much pot as they want here. We need government to outlaw them. Nope. I had this conversation with my wife the other day. Do you know what the answer to that is? And here's where I I put God and push God down your throat. We need the church to be incredibly strong everywhere, but we need it to be doubly strong in Oklahoma. To say, don't fall for these temptations. See, I'm a freedom guy. I'll be consistent. I'm not going to tell people that they can't gamble or can't do spot. But I am going to tell them, maybe there are other alternatives. Maybe, you know what, smoking pot isn't the smartest thing to do today. Maybe, you know, gambling isn't the smartest option for you and your family right now. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to guilt trip you. I'm just going to be there and support you. Freedom is always the answer. But we need to start getting involved in our local communities. Bringing that back to how you serve. Get involved in your state. A buddy of mine, he's a politician. He was actually on with Glenn this week. He's a good, dear friend of mine. He's a brother, Michael Murphy. He's a representative in Kansas. Why was he on with Glenn this week? He shares the fears of the Great Reset. And he introduced a bill to stop ESGs in his state. That's how you solve it. The answer is not DC. The answer isn't the White House in 2024. The answer is what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida and getting other governors to do around other states. Why is it only Ron DeSantis seems to be the one that wants to fight this? Why is it only ever Ron DeSantis is in the news? The odd time Christy Noem is in the news. Why haven't we got a coalition of governors from Florida, from Texas, from Mississippi, from Oklahoma? Yes, I'll include my state in that fighting these regulations, fighting these rules, and understanding that the biggest check on government is not another political party in D.C. having power. It is the states keeping D.C. in power and relying on the Constitution and saying, you do not have that authority. I don't know what your role is. I don't know what your mission is. I don't know what your passions are. But get involved. Because, as I said... 
we are the only nation that still believes in freedom. We have issues here, but we have the idea here. No one else has that. It's time to start fighting for it. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, I salute you, the American people. Never ever forget the sentiments of Tocqueville. America is great because Americans, that's you, are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.